0: The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later.
1: Hello, I am Matthew. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, do over. <laughs> I'm Rodrigo. And
0: I am Steven, and we're going to try to work our way through another Major Spoilers podcast, (laughs) the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
1: This time around, Muppets, Muppets, Muppets. Zombies, zombies, zombies. Steven says, holy crap. Rodrigo says, why is this alien illiterate? And Matthew just hums Paul McCartney under his breath. Plus, pink pleather bikinis. The buying habits of the North American comics fan. And two crazy mofos with great big guns are vying for your affections. Plus, teenage mutant ninja secretaries in the house and she's not bringing your coffee. Plus, when single shines, the triple sun What was sundered and undone? The line between them was never so real, so have some beans at every meal. The Major Spoilers (laughs) Podcast is on the air.
0: All right, welcome, welcome everybody to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast.
1: Where Hello. we are
0: here each and every week, sometimes multiple times per week, if we Remember get kids,
1: the fat one, the bald one, and the other one are here for your entertainment pleasure, day in, day out, until this senseless carnage ends. Well, they had a rough start, but they that open
2: recovered them nicely. They might still be in this.
1: <laughs> Transition here! Uh, <laughs> don't worry, Stephen will edit it all out later in post-production.
0: Uh, 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 so there was this movie, I don't know, some of you guys may have seen this this weekend. Yeah. Was
1: it, it was called The Witch Men the or Witch The Witch watch the, Guys. Yeah,
0: that's it, The Watch Guys.
1: <laughs> the Watch uh, Guys.
0: So who watched that? Who I watched did. The Watchmen's?
1: I watched The Watch.
0: I also watched The Watchmen this weekend. Matthew's going to go see it next weekend.
1: I'm waiting for IMAX. Oh,
0: IMAX. Uh, I'm that's going to be interesting to see that in IMAX. I've heard some good, good reports of people who saw it on IMAX. Well, that was we actually
1: where I saw V for Vendetta as well. I see Alan Moore movies in IMAX whenever possible.
0: Oh, okay. What about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen?
1: I said Alan Moore movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rodrigo, you saw it. We're not going to give away too many, uh, I guess, reactions or thoughts or spoilers here. Just kind of a really gut reaction of the film. Because next week on the show, we're going to be talking about movie adaptations from a variety mm-hmm. of different media. And we're going to have Dr.
2: Peter Coogan back on the show to talk with all of us about that. So, mm-hmm. Rodrigo, some initial thoughts on the watchman I liked it the action was great it was fun it was I, I still haven't gotten to the point where I'm tired of that fast slow fast I like that thing. a lot I mean it's it's fun it, I'm sure it'll get old within 30 seconds know, Well I, I I mean like within like a couple years Yeah if um, unless a new like action uh phrase is that gets Zach's, introduced is that Zack Snyder's uh, that, it kind of is cuz that catch that's, catch effect it kind of is, cause that's how the entirety of yeah, 300 right. was. Right. <laughs> like fa- it's like fast. Slow. Fast. Slow. Tonight we dine at Olive Garden.
0: Tonight we du- dine at Gunga
2: Diner. This is not Sparta. I am lost. <laughs> I've got <laughs> a potato <laughs> in my mouth.
0: Uh, you know, I liked Watchmen 2. I really, I really did. I sat there. The problem with me... Is I told everybody to just detach, and yet the whole time i 'm thinking about the movie i 'm not just sitting there enjoying it i 'm thinking, okay, look at how he framed this shot with mm-hmm. this subject. I was trying to say okay i don 't remember this from the comic, but like the one that first struck out was when he was leaving hollis uh mason 's house or uh-huh. uh, and you pass by it and it and it, the sign on it is we fix old things. Uh-huh. And it's talking about how these heroes need fixing and I'm right. thinking about that as I as I go through the movie and it's like that's so blatantly there. And then I'm catching all of the 5 minutes to midnight references throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie and I'm just like wow, I just there's a lot of that there. And so I kept getting drawn out because I kept analyzing the film, which is what you should do in good movies. You should analyze stuff. But I really wanted to enjoy it first and then analyze it later, not mm. analyze it while I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I didn't mind the change in the ending. I thought yeah. it fit I thought for it the story fine. that they were f- trying to tell. And, again, you have to think about who the audience of the film is. It's not you and me comic book nerd who would have a fit and, and burn the, the theater down if it was not an exact frame-by-frame, panel-for-panel recreation of the comic. Mm. This is for a mass audience, so... You know, I liked it. I give it four and a half stars for the movie.
1: Huh, it's good didn't times. Hollis's garage always have a sign in front of it that said "We fix old yeah, things"? Yeah, it did. Or? But see, it
0: didn't really pop out until Zack Snyder, you know, frames it in such a way that he you called can't, it out. Yeah, on yeah he purpose. called it out on purpose. Whereas, if you're reading the comic book, a lot of people might just skip over a lot of things in the background, like the Gunga Diner and the uh-huh. and right. the Gordian Knot uh, locksmiths and all, all that kind of thing.
1: Right. Now, did any of the the tertiary characters get into it? Did we see uh, anything? The Bernies,
0: new? the Bernies do. Show up at the end.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um But they they are very much
2: just I mean they're, they're there. They're, they're there and gone. Literally. They're there for
1: the six guys who know who they are. Yes. Yep. The exactly. two
0: cops are there, you know, the ones that are investigating Edward Bla- Edward Blake's murder. Yep. Right.
1: The uh
2: the reporter, the psychiatrist Rochard right. psychiatrist. I mean, all the characters are there. They just don't get any uh
1: Does he wear that ridiculous plastic
0: hat? Uh, so. We don't see no, he's wearing a snap brim if I remember, like the mm-hmm. kind of hat that I I wear, but um no, I don't I don't remember the plastic hat that kind of comes down around the ears. I don't remember that. Yeah, the weird hat remember. that he had. Yeah, that yeah. was one no, of the things that, that I liked. Uh there's some blue penis. Oh yes. So be prepared for that. Um Actually,
1: I believe in I believe they refer to it as Blue Peter. <laughs> okay. Um That's for our any... British fans out there. Honestly. Quantum I'm Dong. Sure. There are people laughing.
0: <laughs> dong. Um I'm trying to think of some other minor characters. I mean, Hollis is in there.
1: Yeah. Sally, I know. I haven't seen the show, but I've seen the trailers, and I've seen Sally in the trailers. I've heard Sally, obviously. She plays a big part in it. She plays
2: a big part. Silhouette doesn't. I mean, they basically go through the entirety of the Minutemen in the credits. Yeah, which is really awesome. They tell the whole history of how the heroes rose up. Yep.
1: Which kind of makes sense, though, when you think about it. It was was a great way way of doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's... I really enjoyed that as an opening sequence. Yeah, the opening sequence was great. Almost better than Star Wars. <laughs> um,
1: the original Star Wars? Yeah. The opening but, sequence of Star Wars where it's nothing the but words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, the ex, the yeah, that is a better opening sequence. <laughs> the exposition Speaking about the, episode four. Speaking about histories. You need to know to understand things only you won't see the other movies for seven years. Go. Uh, speaking of histories,
0: Matthew finally got ah, around yeah. to posting the Saturn Girl hero history. I think this oh. is proof This is proof that you can't have strong female leads
1: in comics. And Saturn Girl is one of those characters who they tried. They, there have been attempts to mess her up, to girl he's her he's up, to boys. weaken her. Right. There have been moments where she has little flings with Timberwolf or Ultra Boy or another different Ultra Boy. And it's still – you can't do it. You cannot ruin Imra's character because of what she represents. And I really, really – this was one of the – I won't say hardest because, you know, you take into account the three months of computer problems and, you know, breakdowns. And I still don't have a monitor on my laptop. I'm actually – I'm I'm typing by psychic powers. Actually, I may have a monitor for you if we can get it fixed. Oh, I have a monitor hooked up. No, I mean a monitor that works. Oh, a monitor for a monitor? Yes. For the laptop? Yes. How do you fix a laptop monitor? You'd be surprised. Okay, well, I'll be surprised then. But in any case, I've got it hooked up to a monitor that's roughly the size of the TV that I had in college. Oh, boy. You,
0: you 13, remember that monster? 13 inches of pure yeah. SD analog.
1: <laughs> but in Brilliant. any case. Really, it's SSD substandard. I got to tell you, I most people... You know, I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes. Most people do not realize that the most difficult thing to do in the hero history pieces
0: is copying and pasting that first initial meeting over and over again.
1: No, shut up. (laughs) Jerk. (laughs) It's not the fact that every single character has pivotal moments in Legion of Superheroes Volume 4, number 66. Legion of Superheroes Volume 3, number 15. And Legion of Superheroes Volume 1, number 300. No, it's not that. right. What is it's this? the fact – I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Jerk. Okay. <laughs> the hardest part is the Legion is known for group shots. Right. It's hard to find that iconic image to put as the very first image in the piece. Right. And a lot of them I had to generate. I had to go out and go out of my way. If you look at Bouncing Boy, Matter Eater Lad, and – Saturn Girl is another example of one that I had to go out of my way to find the shot that I wanted. Now did you just go and, to
0: the H- history of the DC Universe character, you know the one the the first one that came out uh-uh. to get that pleather pleather
1: clad nope. I'll tell you why. why. She didn't wear she didn't wear the bikini at the time that any of those came oh, out. Man. She was in her red and white school marm uniform. And you know somebody once asked me man, why
2: the, the red and white school marm.
1: Now there was the character. There you go. <laughs> Why do you choose which costume? How do you choose which costume? And I've always said, I choose whatever looks right to me, which is my way of saying my rules, I make them up. I choose I just, you, Pikachu. Pikachu. I just pick whatever costume is my favorite. And I knew from the beginning that it had to be pink pleather bikini. But to find a decent picture of the pink pleather bikini involved like 15 shades of hell. So that actually took about two weeks in and of itself. Flipping through, so when you read the Saturn Girl hero history, yeah, literally, I I knew that the basic time frame. She got that costume in Action Comics three ninety two, and stopped wearing it in roughly Legion of Superheroes Volume two number two thirty seven or thereabouts. Not two thirty seven. Forgive me, two seventy three. And yes, I yeah, I'm a jackass, I know, but I had to go through and look and look and look and look and and look. So. The whole point of this is me apologizing for taking so long, but letting you know that sometimes we will sell no Saturn girl before it's time. Are you wearing a scarf and
0: sitting down right now smoking your big cigar and drinking? And I'm I'm, I'm drinking wine
1: out of a uh, shoe. One
0: of our readers did comment that we are old people. I will will get to that a little bit later on. We're old? Yes, apparently if we're making uh, (laughs) – and Wells commercial references and talking about <laughs> ALF, then yes, we, we are ha- freaking old.
1: We actually had to spend 10 minutes explaining to the young kid all the jokes in the open last week. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. You got the ALF reference, right? Uh, the okay. ALF
2: reference? Hey, Willie! <laughs> no, I didn't get it because I used to watch ALF in Spanish. <laughs> Which
0: is- Hola,
3: Guillermo! <laughs>
0: Oh, boy. Hey, check out this email. This is about, uh, we were talking about buying habits a few weeks ago, about is $250, 299 399 too much to pay for a comic book? Uh, David wrote in and said, my comic book buying habits, years ago I stopped buying comics. They're simply too expensive for what they give you. Yes, I was one of those who grew up on Tencent Comics. Talk about old. No, I don't. Uh, I do not think that comics should be 10 cents. Still. I had two, ch- uh, children, a wife and one income from there. I thought he was going to say, I had two chickens and a pot and I was happy.
1: <laughs> the very <laughs> first... <laughs> two chickens, a lamb and one influence monk. Der- der- the very first thing, I- <laughs> the very
0: first thing I dropped was driving, uh, halfway across town for live RPG games. Second was attending meetings of a hobby group. I was in the third comics. Now they want four bucks for, uh, for what, less than 40 pages? I really don't know how many pages are in today's comics. About the same amount, maybe a little less. I'll talk 24. about one here in a minute, 24 pages. It used to be 32 in 1984 and with I four ran, or five of those. Ran so
2: far
0: away. <laughs> uh, uh, when it was uh, just a couple of full page away. edges. Then it was 75 cents. I don't know what a, a little less than, uh, let's see. I do know that for a little less than $7... Let's see. He goes on and on and on Uh, that he was (laughs) able to buy. buy, (laughs) He was able to buy a text-based book. Frisbees. (laughs) (laughs) The page count was one thousand sixteen pages, one hundred and forty-five pages for a dollar. Thirty-six thousand plus words for a dollar. I'm fairly certain that uh, you could buy these books for less in other places. Condensing that, I read a page and a half a minute. Let's see. Comics are now a laugh for less than the cost of two books i you know i have to go out you and read buy one comic 31
1: book. times the material yep in word count yep
0: it is to laugh he says
1: it is so do i laugh. care
0: if comic books vanish? no though i learned to read with comics they are not worth their weight in platinum let the comic companies die they have brought this upon themselves
1: a plague on both their houses yes a pox yes
2: a pox on both of you.
1: Tomorrow we'll find out. That's me from a grave. David. And David makes some very good points here, Even except for my ramblings. <laughs> Here here's something that I, I think needs to be taken into account. Stuper, okay. Steve, you write textbooks, right? I do. You write textbooks and you get paid per word or per page. Uh, I get,
0: actually I get paid per project cuz I don't feel like ripping these per, people okay. off.
1: Okay. Cuz if so I did, you, I'd be
0: like a millionaire. You'd actually have you get, you'd actually have actual money. I could have actual money to pay you <laughs> if
1: I charged by the word. But no, they charge me by project. Okay, so you get paid to write. Yes, and you you have an editor. You have collaborators, other people writing other chapters. Yes, yes. yes. Okay, sometimes. But generally, when you write your chapter, aside from editorial caveat, caveat yes. however one pronounces that particular word, Ka- you just you just write it. Yes, Correct. Yes. Well, okay. I have to go through the process of
0: here's what I'm thinking. Is this OK? It's going to cover these things. Yes, yes, yes. OK, great. Go for it. Five weeks later, they're like, uh, we're still waiting on this. And then I sit down in about 30 minutes and crank it
1: out. Here you go. No. So but something along that lines. OK, so let's pretend for a moment that I am a famous comic artist. We're going to call me Tom McFarthing. Oh, I was <laughs> hoping that you would go for Yim Lee. No, Tom McFarthing, and years ago I invented a character called uh, Spoon. Ooh, I love that character. And Spoon is a very popular book, and right now I am again writing Spoon, and what I do is I write things – I put together a breakdown, which I then mail to Rodrigo, and Rodrigo breaks that down, draws that out, and Rodrigo sends that to his friend Chet, and Chet then inks over his art, and then Chet sends it to a guy named Schmucko, and Schmucko <laughs> then colors all of the pictures, wait, and then wait, wait. Schmucko sends it to the editor, and then they send it back to me, and I fill in the dialogue.
2: Can my can my I, name in this, in this whole thing be... Yils
1: Vortaccio? <laughs> That's what going to say. Yes, Yils Vortaccio. <laughs> and awesome. um, your inker's name is Fab Reifeld. But oh, I, I thought it was going to be Odo Hop. <laughs> In any case, once that happens, the nine guys who assist me on those, this chapter of the book all need to be paid. Right. And I, mm-hmm. Tom McFarthing, let's say I'm the head of, of a comic company and I call my comic company – picture
0: illusion there, you go. illusion there you go. illusion there you go okay that's probably more
1: apropos now, i have to pay phil's hortaccio and fob reifeld and i have to pay Fimblee and i have to pay narek parsons i have to pay all of these people to assist me in the book right yes please don't hit me with whatever you have there stacy my wife is threatening to kill me with a stuffed worm
4: because hey. she's tired of
1: this analogy but here's the point <laughs> You can edit that out, Steve. (laughs) Here's the point. Comic books are more expensive not just because the companies have essentially a self-fulfilling prophecy about the the shrinking audience. Don't get me wrong. Comic book companies are doing nothing to broaden their audience in a real sense. But – Comic books are not just a man writing words and there is nothing wrong with going and buying that that thousand-page book and getting 140, 54 pages for a dollar. There's still something about going to the store and I work at the store and I know that the magic is a very thin facade – you know and i still go in on you know friday or saturday or whenever i can get there and i buy my books with that sense of excitement and go wow this is going to be awesome this is going to be awesome and then i read you know birds of prey number 127 excuse me Firds of way <laughs> curds and Kurds <laughs> and, and way number 127 <laughs> and i'm extremely disappointed afterwards because you know a phony hetard doesn't have the <laughs> the com- the character voices down but there is something about comics it's like it, it's like jazz. You know, jazz is not what you would look at as a highly respected or, you know, highly.
0: Matthew is just I, making I a metaphor, I mean. example, an allegory here. Please, well, jazz musicians,
1: don't call us
0: and write us and tell us how you're no, the great, by no means greatest, am I wonderful saying, people but in the world.
1: There, there are people sitting and tearing apart the life of, of jazz musicians the same way they would tear apart some, you know, bits and pieces of, say, Beethoven or right. Chopin right. or these guys. It's something or that, that is guy. It is what it is. It's not meant to be art, and it's not something that's – it's not the same as a paperback. Even a trade paperback of comics is not the same as a paperback. I think he's
0: more concerned about the fact that what more are they giving us for this money? Why just artificially increase the price? And I think you made a good point with all these other people that you have to pay. But could it also be that part of the time when you're hiring him, Lee, Mm
5: -hmm. you
0: know – him Lee might be a huge superstar artist and therefore demands a thousand dollars per page where you could get Schmucko over there to do maybe mm. the same quality of work, may take a little bit longer, although I don't know with him Lee with his with his schedule of releases. Um you might be able to get him for maybe fifty bucks a page, mm-hmm. thus lowering your overall
2: cost. But thus lowering your overall gains. And but, uh, readership. There, exactly. are, there are people who are well, gonna come in and okay. be like Yim, Lee. can we start using real people's names now? Sure. Alan Moore. Oh, my goodness. Alan yeah,
1: Moore has a Alan new comic Moore. book out.
0: Oh, holy crap.
1: <laughs> the hey, I want to read that, that new Steven Alan Sline. Moore comic book.
0: <laughs> well, there is, there is that, but I still think that – well, that's a conversation for another time. I still think that you can do quality work and tell a good story mm-hmm. without having superstar people on board. Sure. And there are many and, companies
1: out there that are doing that I mean superstars right get to be that way. You know, for a reason. Right. It's because
4: they can
1: do good things. Right. Don't get me wrong. I think David is correct in that four bucks is a lot to pay for a comic. But I think that the metaphor is inherently flawed that he's giving us here in that comic books are not just a verbal medium. Comic books are the entertainment equivalent of that moment where – Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. The comic books are inherently about the pictures and the words juxtaposed together. Mr. McCloud, I now owe you thirty-five cents. But <laughs> there is so there uh, there are definitely publishing stratagems that have made comic books a niche market that have made comic books, for all intents and purposes, vanity publications or you know fan fiction and lowered the actual available audience to the point where only the guys who already know what comics are about are really into comics. And those guys will occasionally bring in a new comic reader. Right. But they're reading comics as comics to where it's kind of, you know, it's it's the equivalent of going to a fair and eating corn dogs on a stick because that's the way you eat them.
0: Yes. Whereas you could you go know, down
1: to the supermarket and get
2: them for 10 cents right. instead of paying three bucks for them
1: or you could just, you know, have a damn hot dog in a bun like a normal person. Yeah, hey, let's freaking corn dog enthusiasts running the medium <laughs> exactly. for everybody. And you know the corn dog people are just jacking up the prices. Damn, the corn corn dog dogs people. are not $4. Honey batter is not that important people. ridiculous. They only sell like 50,000 corn dogs a month anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about another controversial subject with this listener, uh, this listener mail, this listener phone call, this answering machine thing.
5: Hey Major, spoilers, love the show, just finished episode 81, and uh, which one of the things you guys commented on was how much we're seeing Barack Obama on the cover of comics these days. I personally find that kind of annoying and cheap and sort of a, I don't know, a lame way to get attention for your comic. Uh, I had one thought I wanted to share with you guys, maybe hopefully get your feedback on the show, was um, it seems to be the case that most often we're seeing this because the uh, artists and people behind the comics are very much in support of our new president. Uh, And I would say that, you know, look at the previous guy, I can only think of one cover he was on, he was getting punched in the face on that one. So uh, we're all in support of this guy, right? He's on the cover of our comics. But in the Marvel Universe, we're under this dark rain thing where we've got Norman Osborn as the big head guy or shield or hammer or whatever you're going to call it. In a way, it kind of paints a picture of incompetence in Obama then because here you've got the president who's unable to figure out that Norman Osborn's a bad guy when it ought to be pretty obvious. So um, it seems like in a roundabout way, you know, it's, it, it, they're pointing, painting in a bad light. You know, it's uh, shooting in the foot, so to speak. Wonder if you guys uh, maybe saw it the same way or had any comments on that. Thanks a lot. Love the show.
0: Matthew, question. Is yes. having Obama a bad thing to be putting in your comic books? Especially in the case where, you know, he's telling Norman Osborn, hey, man, you run things. And Norman Osborn is clearly a villain.
1: If I read the issue correctly, and forgive me, the one that he's referring to, I only skimmed. Okay. Because we sold out. Obama, or in this case, the unnamed president, because right. they do not identify him right. by name. Right. The president seems wary, even leery, of Norman Osborne. And isn't he also drawn in shadow, so you can't really tell if it is the president? Uh, that was Secret Warriors number oh, one, okay. where he All had right. a conversation with Nick Fury. Okay. He's seen full face, I believe, in, um, in, this one in Thunderbolts. Okay. And in the second half of that Thunderbolts crossover, something happens that makes him think that – well, basically, Norman scams him into believing that the Green Goblin is attacking the president and that Norman saves him, I believe. Right. So I, I think – well it, it it's really it's the downfall of Marvel's little publishing thing where they always use the real president. Right. It's it's something that Stan Lee set up as a precedent and they do it honestly right now it's Marvel's equivalent of me saying Tom Welling. There's no reason to keep using the real president. In fact, hmm. you know, there's re, there are good compelling arguments not to do it. Yeah. But yes. they do it because it's a philip that they do and that's how Marvel does things. So yeah, it does make it makes a sitting president look somewhat foolish up to a point, but I'll bet you even money that it comes to a point where, you know, somehow the president gets involved and figures out that Norman's a bad guy. I mean, Dark Rain has to end somewhere. Yeah. Rodrigo? Uh,
2: I just, I don't think, I, I don't think it's like uh, any kind of personal thing on Obama. They were just like, okay, well, here's the storyline and this guy's president right now. I mean, there was obvious obvious stunt stuff with putting him in the cover of Spider-Man. Right, like that story probably got and the Image Comics in. the same yeah. way. Image Comics and all these um, other guys. As that far are as this on. Dark Rain thing, you know, they're not, uh, you know, that's he's in shadow. They're not, they're not really, you know, saying like, right. "Here's Barack Obama doing making this. a mistake." Yeah. It's you know, here's the president, and when you read this ten years in the future, it'll be a different guy, probably exactly. unless he becomes awesome and, enough that he gets the third <laughs> term reinstated.
1: My, and if you want to... If you want to look at presidential treatment in Marvel Comics, I have two numbers for you. I want you to go and pick up Captain America, Volume 1, Number 344. Is that where he punches out Hitler? No, that's the one where Ronald Reagan is turned into a snake 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 creature and tries to eat Captain America. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to read Captain America, Volume 1, Number 170. I think it's 3. Where someone who is very obviously Tricky Dick Nixon shoots himself in the head on panel Yikes. and turns out to be behind a supervillain conspiracy that's been plaguing Captain America for two years.
0: I guess my thought on all of this is just use generic president version A, mm. I think, because I think it makes it, it keeps your issue or keeps your tale from becoming dated.
1: You would say that because you love DC and hate Marvel. (laughs) Well, according to
0: most of our readers on the site, they certainly think that, don't they? Uh, But yeah, I just think that, you know, instantly Dark Rain, which could be a really great story to tell 50 years from now. It might still be really relevant, perhaps. Doubtful. uh, Is now people are going to say, oh, well, this happened in 19 or 2009 and not in... You know, a near distant future or a very few years ago past
2: <laughs> or eight, eight, eight Me- minutes into the future. Yes.
0: It just instantly dates
2: everything. That's or why I don't like Ronald Reagan next
0: Sunday. AD. <laughs> That's why I don't like Ronald Reagan showing up in comics. That's why I don't like uh, Nixon showing up. I don't know, like Gerald Ford shaking. I don't like Superman shaking hands with Kennedy
1: because instantly it dates it. Yep. But you know what's funny? What? A couple of years ago, they had a champions reunion in an issue of Hulk. And the initial grouping of the champions in 1977 or so, they saved Jimmy Carter from being killed by Pluto, the god of death. And when the champions reunited in this book, Iceman and Angel, Black Widow, Ghost Rider and Hercules are all together and, and they say something about saving President Clinton several years ago. Nice. And Hercules is like, mayhap I think the president's name was Carter, was it not? <laughs> and they're like, no, that would have been twenty years ago. And Hercules is like, oh well, when one is immortal, things tend to run together. Nice. Oh, so that's how they wrote that out. Well,
2: yeah, well, because Marvel has the they, sliding scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, it was just it was a nice little joke, but it was one of those things where you know they admitted that sometimes you know, it, 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 well, it tacitly admitted anyway that sometimes these things have to be retconned, and it's Marvel.
3: Yeah. Would you, you know? You have, for all we have... know,
1: we won't be married next week. No. Mephisto,
3: oh, I blame you,
0: Pikachu. So let me ask you this then, uh, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Would it have been better if they had allowed Stephen Colbert to win?
1: Mm. No. Why? Because I hate Stephen Colbert. He's a tool. Oh, you know
0: what? This remind you know, this email reminded me of something I wanted to this listener mail reminded me of something I wanted to say. If you pay attention in Secret Invasion, there's this uh two page spread, I think, when um they're landing in New York or after the invasion has been announced or whatever, and they're showing all of these people up on the screen, all those kind scrolls. of in favor of, uh, you know, what's going on. Stephen Colbert is up there and Obama is up there, too, or someone who looks a lot like Obama uh-huh. in those panels. So maybe Obama was really the chameleon still. Or, no, those are scrolls. It, yeah, that's what it implies that, you know... I don't know. I thought that was rather interesting when you think in hindsight about, Oh, here are all these scrolls that are saying, you know, join, join us, be friends, embrace change.
1: I thought that the was visitors are our friends. Exactly. Soylent green is made of people. It's a cookbook.
2: Don't rip
0: To serve man is a
1: cookbook. It's a cookbook. Hey, we really thank uh,
0: everybody for writing in, sending in their email requests or questions to the show. Uh, If you want to contact us, all you have to do is send us an email to question, I'm sorry, podcast, not question, that's another show, podcast at Majorspoilers.com or... And I still did not write this down again, Matthew, or
1: 785-727-1939, the major spoilers hotline. Questions, comments, anything else you want to do if you're a cute female and you want to say naughty things to Matthew, give us a call. Once again, 787-727-1939. We really appreciate that. And we've actually got
0: another uh, lengthier one in the future. I would suggest uh, I'm going to use a lengthy one in today's show. But in the future, you might want to keep your comments to maybe under three minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be that would be that'd be great. Optimal. That Remember would, what we swell. always
1: say at my unnamed call center, where I am an ineffectual middle management suck up. Keep it simple and shut up. <laughs> it's the K I S S principle. Keep it simple, stupid. All
0: right. Speaking of keeping it simple, Matthew, would you like to say something? <laughs> Yes. I was going to say, would you like to say something else since we're keeping it simple? Um, review time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do, 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 do. It's time for the Major Spoilers Review. We're going to sing a song about it, and then we're all going to go and do a review. Who,
0: who wants to go first this
1: week? Rock, paper, scissors. One, One two, two three. three. Shoot.
0: Flaming Sub-artinal Asteroid.
1: <laughs> Flaming <laughs> Asteroid. I win. Okay. Uh, Matthew,
0: please, can. please uh, regale us with tales of- You guys go first. Of... I'm going to go to the bathroom. All right. Woo-hoo! Rodrigo, Woo-hoo! Rodrigo and I were playing a, a game of magic beforehand, and I purposefully made him drink lots of water and soda so that this would happen.
5: Yep. So, Matthew, well, tell us- on
0: a us, scale of one to ten, you're an eight. Well, I, I lost, so I don't know if that knocks me okay. down a few pegs.
1: I uh, actually this week have been making a concerted effort to get back on the review train because there have been events in my life which I like to refer to as the general effing stuff I which know, have thrown man. off
0: my schedule. Hey, you I like having new reviews up on the site every
1: single day. It's a new zoo review. Anyway, come and ride right at you. Doot, doot. What I would like to do, stop glaring at me, woman, I'm working. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I know, wouldn't it be great if we actually got paid for doing all this fun stuff? Wouldn't it be, though? In the next couple of days, I do intend to get up another rapid-fire review, cleaning up a few things that I meant to talk about and some stuff that I thought was pretty awesome but forgot to talk about the first time. And I found that I actually have two issues of a title that I really love that kind of got uh, behind in the publishing schedule. So what I'd like to do is step back somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five weeks oh, to okay. issue 19 of Dynamo 5 oh, from okay. Image Oh, Com- Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: One of the – really, one of the – Cooler titles that Image puts out. I mean, it is unabashedly and unashamedly a superhero book. Right. And I like superhero books up to a point. So, what I would like to do is a review that the issue for you right now in my a, father Guido Sarducci a voice. A retro
0: review, so to speak.
1: Indeed. Uh, Dynamo 5, of course, okay. uh, five children who are bound by fate and a father they never knew. Uh, Captain Dynamo, eventually a Superman-type character, was a bit of a philanderer, and in his various travels fathered several illegitimate children, who now, once exposed to the same radioactive rock that gave him powers, gave each of them one of his powers. Aha! Now, the five of the, the, the Dynamo five, if you will, have recently broken up. Um, they've all gone their, certain, their separate ways, and The strong girl, whose name is Scrap, who's absolutely adorable, has assembled a new Dynamo 5 consisting of a couple of characters who've been bouncing around the Image universe called the Firebirds, a minor character called Quake, and a mysterious character called Vigil, who is a female sort of Batman slash Punisher type character. Is she hot? She is very hot. And there's there's more irony in this issue going along the line. But – in the last issue of Dynamo 5, issue 18, they were taken out by a coalition of villains under the, uh, the, under the leadership of a woman called Widowmaker, who's actually the character who assassinated their father, Captain Dynamo. So this issue opens up with the big fighty-fighty, everybody's beat up, and it turns out that Vigil is actually the Widowmaker. oh dun dun-dun-dun. So there's been a wolf in the fold the whole time. Except Not. Because the Dynamo 5 characters actually return, and it turns out that Vigil is not Widowmaker, but in fact, the shape-shifting original Dynamo 5 member called uh, Myriad. Bum, bum, bum! Yeah, the guy with no face. It's a nice twist, actually. And we get a little bit of the fighty-fighty. We get some nice characterization on what brings the five characters together, why they're superheroes, or why they want to be superheroes. We get some interesting stuff with the Firebirds. Um, The Firebirds are a mother-daughter superhero team. The mother is injured in this particular issue. But the five core members of Dynamo 5 reunite to take out a virtual army of supervillains, what I would like to refer to as a virtual plethora of dearth. And the fighty-fighty goes on, but it's not your standard issue fighty-fighty. There's bits and pieces of really awesome stuff going on. Um, one of the characters is a telepath. He ends up having to use his telepathic powers and getting taken down by the fact that the villain has horrible things in his past. And, of course, it's nice to see a super group where there isn't, like, huge sexual tension throughout. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way that these characters are ever going to date or have crushes on each other, which is awesome.
0: Well, they could if they wanted to go in that direction, but I don't think Image really no. wants to do
1: that. No, no. They would not do that because that's just creepy. But anyway, the original (laughs) five (laughs) members of Dynamo 5 reunite. Yes. They fight, 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 fight. And throughout this whole arc, there's been a mysterious man with a tattoo on his neck who hired the Widowmaker. Uh, The telepath, Scatterbrain, gets the information. They track down this guy, and he's shot himself in the head because he's about to be discovered. But the tattoo on his neck is missing. Mm Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Of course, the Dynamo 5 realizes, oh, we're a family. We have to be heroes. We have to be together. It's our father's legacy. And at the end of the issue, the head of the S.H.I.E.L.D. type organization called FLAG, the Foundation for Law and Government, <coughs> stolen from Knight Rider. <laughs> um, sorry, I had something <laughs> in my throat. Um, the leader says some ominous things about Dynamo 5 and their place in the world, and on the back of his neck – is a mysterious tattoo. This is a really cool issue. Jay Farber the writer always manages to remind me of Marvel comics circa about 1986-87 when we were kids. Yeah. The time of the mutant massacre, the time when, you know, Wolverine wasn't as overexposed, Spider-Man was still funny, the Fantastic 4 was still a family. A point in time where the comics were they weren't ashamed to be a superhero comic. Whereas now, you know, we, we, we have a tendency on occasion to maybe dress things up with a little too much foo for and emotional wherewithal and all the blah 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 to say it's not really a comic book. But this issue of Dynamo 5 is – I mean it's the blockbuster. It's the, the last issue of the arc. We're pulling out all the stops. The art, as always, is fabulous. The man who draws it is Mahmoud Azrar, who I think is Turkish –
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he does some killer stuff. He's got a really slick line, draws really attractive women, hmm. manages to draw different body types. So the three female characters have different don't body all, styles, different facial alike. features. Well, yeah. That's one of the things. I mean, uh, Michael Turner, for instance, don't get me wrong. He, he he had some moments and he drew beautiful women, but they're all the same woman to me. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, you know, this is not that. But Dynamo 5 number 19 is about a three and a half slice of meatloaf issue. It's a good solid comic book. It's one of the better ones that I read the week that it came out, which I think was several weeks ago. Two, three, well, three Wednesdays ago. So not quite three weeks. All right, cool. Or it will be three weeks by the time you hear this. Hello, future people. My name is Steven and this is how I talk. Um, but overall, I'm constantly amazed how sh- you guys are able to mimic my
0: voice so perfectly. <laughs> exactly. I almost I thought I was th- talking and I didn't remember my mouth moving.
1: <laughs> my name is a Steven and I am made of a cheese. La, 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 la. <laughs> See,
0: there I go again. What the hell? Isn't that, that weird? That is it so could be fruity. weird. Like,
1: you could be like Augustus Gloop. <laughs> I like it, the I'm chocolate. I'm starving. I like <laughs> the
3: chocolate.
0: Hey, speaking chocolate. of uh, really bad Russian accents, Matthew. It, or Speaking no, he was of, German, right? Gustus Glue. All right, Augustus Glue from Dusselheim, Germany. That's right. So you did a comic from a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing a comic that just came out this past week. Again, depending on when you listen to it. Um, Hello, future people. See, didn't even have to. All right, so this time it's just that you said that 67 times well, because last... it's funny. <laughs> to me, yeah, it's, funny to me it was, it's funny because it's <laughs> funny. So if David is upset about four bucks for a uh, forty-page, thirty-page comic, he's 24 probably twenty-four page. page. He's going to be irate. He's going to go through the roof, pop a blood vessel when he finds out that uh, for two dollars and fifty cents, I can get a sixteen-page comic from Aspen Comics. Uh, it's executive assistant Iris number zero. Now, this is a title that has kind of gone through a lot of starts and stops. This was uh, created by uh, David Wall, uh, Brad – what's his name? uh, Foxhoven? Foxhoven. Foxhoven. and Which is German
1: for the cattle are dying.
0: And, of course, the late Michael Turner, which is one of the reasons why the the issue got started and stopped a little bit over time. But executive assistant Iris, she is an Asian uh, executive assistant to a very – uh, to do businessmen, and they are in the dealings with some Russian guy who's trying to pump this uh, the the Asian businessman for more money.
2: And of did course, did you just say
0: pump the Asian
2: businessman? <laughs> well, no, is that what the assistant is doing?
0: <laughs> well, that is implied <laughs> that the executive assistant is not only his secretary, uh... also his whore, but she's also his assassin. Nice. And so when it's discovered that this Russian guy is just trying to pump him for more money, just
2: don't find she dons like her anymore. ninja
0: gear and starts hacking and slashing her way through the Russian compound.
1: Does her ninja gear come with French cut panties? Because uh, no, because she's, always seem no,
0: she's head to toe in, uh, you know, apparently leather. It looks like leather and how it's drawn. Nice art. I really do like the art a lot. Uh, It's got several different inkers, though, depending on the page that you're looking at. So that can kind of throw it off on certain pages. Uh, There's some blood, but, you know, she's wearing these kind of... uh, She hides her face except for her eyes, which are, like, red goggles. Um, You know, she can kick ass all sorts of ways with her katana and her magic sword. Her sword and magic helmet! Sword and magic helmet? Sword and magic helmet! Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. Anyway, she works her way up through all the big guys, and then the head Russian mob guy wakes up and he goes, I hear something. I hear it sounds like it's coming from my daughter's room, and he's got his gun telling his wife to stay in bed, and he goes down, and you get to the page where he opens the door, and you have to turn the page, and as soon as you turn the page, you see him going, No! And then there's a shot, and this is a holy crap moment for me, because I didn't read the entire page. I didn't glance at the entire page to see what's going on. I want to see what's going on, and you see this child lying in bed, with blood on the forehead with the implication that the kid has been shot through the head or stabbed through the head and is dead. Mm-hmm. And knowing how Matthew, you feel about uh, child death in comics. I, I just knew I was like, Holy crap. I can't believe they actually killed a kid on panel like this. This is not irredeemable. This is uh, executive assistant Iris from Aspen comics. I said, they can't be doing this. And sure enough, I go down just a panel below And the little girl's waking up, rubbing the blood off her head, saying, What's wrong, Daddy? Oh, you're not dead? Of course not, Daddy. What's wrong? What had happened was the executive assistant had taken a knife that she had killed other people with, stabbed it through the contract onto the wall, and the blood had tripped down onto the kid in the meantime. And you're like, whew. But it was enough of a shock to get the, the Russian to sign the contract as they originally agreed upon, and she goes off to do other adventures for her master my name is iris and i'm an executive assistant to be continued in executive assistant iris number 1 on sale june 17th 2009 so you got to wait a couple months for the first issue to come out um didn't hate it after i realized that i paid 250 for a 16 page comic eh, that kind of bites a little bit so i have to knock it down a peg The art is a little wonky, mainly because there's different inkers on the different sections of the book. Colors are fine. Story is fine. Pacing is fine. It's essentially one giant. Let's beat up every, you know, it's a a video game. Let's move through the different levels until we get to the big boss. And then there's a conclusion. And it does it well. It does it enough uh, that I would give it about three stars out of five. Three slices Uh of meatloaf out of five. Hmm.
1: I have to say that the, just the concept as you as you kind of outlined it is one of those moments where I have to ponder the fine line between high concept and dumb joke. Which one? The the ninja secretary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Portion of the program. Based on the description of the product, I didn't think I'd be interested, but from the sound of things it sounds like, you know, she essentially is, is going to do into.
0: she's essentially going to do anything that her boss wants her to do. But she just happens to be a woman. Instead of a guy who's a mafioso type, she is a ninja. Female ninja. Hmm. So you got the hotness factor that goes on with it. Hot, Interesting. The hotness
2: is important. Hotness is important. Today's secretarial work. <laughs> New hotness. Executive assistance, Rodrigo, please. Well, I, I'm just thinking, you know, you don't, you don't find the triple threat around anymore. You can find a concubine assassin. You can find a secretary assassin. But a secretary concubine assassin... Hard to find. That's why they're in such high demand. I know.
0: I want one. You can one. find a
1: secretary concubine yep. if you look at the right place. That's I, actually
2: not that hard. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> the opinions expressed by the Major Spoilers podcast continuationy thingy me bobs are not the real opinions of anybody with sense.
0: So if you, want an, if you want a zero issue that's kind of a prequel to what goes on, not a bad buy, eh, 250 <laughs> still kind of bites – But so on and so forth. So, uh, Rodrigo... I wish
5: I
1: had a prequel to what goes on.
0: (laughs) And so do I. That's why it's called a pre-show that we record and play back later where we insult religious leaders.
5: Uh,
1: There's a script for
0: this? (laughs) So, Rodrigo is going to amaze us with an issue that has not yet come out. Or, again, depending on when you listen to the show. Rodrigo,
1: using his psionic powers, will look into the far-flung future world.
0: Of about 20 hours, depending on, again... When we record and when your comic book say store it. opens up.
1: You know you want to say it. Hello, future people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I tell you, it's a ra- laugh, laugh a minute every time you say it. You get a laugh. It's
1: a laugh
2: riot. <laughs> All right, so Dynamite Entertainment yes. has been pretty good about sending us um, new stuff, new every, stuff week. every week. And they might just stop here pretty soon. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Tell me it isn't
0: true, Rodrigo. A title like Super Zombies? Right. Super Zombies, number one. It's got to be Gangbusters.
2: Oh, and it is. Well, Busters, anyway. Um, All right. So we open up on the Invertrox Research Park today. At which point, we are rapidly introduced to four super guys. We are given their code names in a little box and their powers. Um, and you're like, okay, well, these are superheroes breaking into a facility. Then you turn the page and you're introduced to one more guy. Then the next page, two more, three more guys. Then the next page, another one. And seriously, it does not stop. Every page, you're introduced to between one and three characters.
0: Awesome. That's like awesome, right? I mean, because this is like a super team. Uh, sort of. It's like you're the introduced NFL. to people on NFL. on
2: both sides oh, okay. of of this conflict. Well, you gotta have to. Um, so basically, the uh, the 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 general theme is that this super cool guy at some point invented a cure for. Hang on. Hang Cancer. Mm, Twenty eight days n- later. No, right? no, no, yeah. no. K H R Kansas Human Rice Syndrome. Kansas. Kansas Human Rice. Syndrome. I'm going to stop eating rice from Kansas, people. I know, because, you know, Kansas is so well-renowned for their rice. The hard red winter wheat, sure, that's fine. But the Kansas rice, stay the hell away from it. Right.
1: Wasn't the human rice a a founding member of the Fantastic Four? I
2: think so. Anyway. um, Human rice, it's made of people. It says so right in its name. So, (laughs) the San Francisco treat. Um, (laughs) So... It turns out that this vaccine has turned people essentially starts giving people superpowers, but there is a small portion of the population, and and of course the uh, the uh, some people become superheroes, some people become supervillains. There's that a was small me. portion of the, I became a superhero. Right. There's a small portion of the population that just goes completely comatose. That would be after me. taking <laughs> this vaccine. I ate too much of that gluten filled wheat. Yep and apparently there's yet another section of the population a, a while after uh, all this uh, all the superheroes and supervillains show up we'll say somewhere around 28 days later um who by the end of the issue you're you're given this big shock are turning into zombies and and it's the contagious kind of zombie the zombie that if now, they bite you Now how do they turn you, into zombies? It's just the same thing some it's people It's just a side effect. Yep, some people turn into superheroes. Now are they actual zombies, zombies or are they just cannibals? They are are they the undead back is, to life? They don't really go into whether they actually die or not, but they are if they were just cannibals, then the people they eat would presumably not Oh, reanimate. Reanimate Easter. because okay. here a woman is disemboweled. Awesome. Um there is not one good thing about this book. I gotta what? say. Well, okay, okay. There is one good thing. You're going through and they're introducing you to all these superheroes, right? Codename, Excipitor. Power, telekinesis. Codename, Ignition. Power, pyrokinesis. Codename, Amalthea. Power, sound control, sonic abilities. Codename, Volcano. Powers, kinetic absorption. (laughs) Total grip. Enhanced strength. What power is total grip? (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I could say is that,
0: that right there. is that like kung fu grip? <laughs> it must be
1: that's exactly what it is he used to be a gi joe figure <laughs>
2: total grip what what is that power
1: i want to know after you see a really good um, porn movie i'm sure and, and is isn't, isn't total grip the stuff that you use to keep your false teeth in <laughs>
2: <laughs> that or to keep your hair in place um and Only if you're
1: bald, like Steven. Hey, hey.
2: Codename Trilogy can copy herself in multiples of three. Um, Codename what? Ambient powers meta analysis. I mean, they just run through this. Uh, there's Codename at least. Codename Ambien. oh, Ambient. Codename oh, Ambient. <laughs> Codename The Solid Citizen. Yo, yo, representing. Powers, super strength, and limited invulnerability, which is hilarious because if you're invulnerable, then you can't be hurt. If you have limited invulnerability, then
1: you're not invulnerable. Maybe
0: you can be invulnerable for, like, 60 seconds at a time with I, a, a two-hour like recharge.
1: A, being limited invulnerable is like being a little bit pregnant, exactly. which is only possible in the Marvel Universe.
2: Exactly. Um, and, again, this is, this is basically three separate stories. It's a story about a cool superhero team fighting another cool superhero team. It's a story in which people are fed super rice... And become superheroes, and it's also, th- I am legend. That's what I was gonna say. That's what it sounds like. I, I, I mean, am it's legend. it's all it's all three of those mushed together into one issue. Forget, I mean, just. But they have to combat the evil zombies now. They presumably spend, an they issue spend too. most of the time fighting superheroes. The the big. It's funny because the the zombie thing is supposed to be a big reveal at the end. But the book is called Super Zombies. <laughs> kind of saw that coming. Eh? Yeah, I kind of okay. did. In fact, what if the was...
1: superheroes are going to become zombies? Well,
2: since it's contagious, I'm assuming they are. But this is like the 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 beginning of the book, or, or rather, this happens ten years in the past. The whole like the onset of this. The whole. So thing. by now, if if the big zombie apocalypse hit by now, you think it would really take ten years for a superhero to be bitten? I mean, super like actual superhero zombies have to be around by now. Maybe it t- t- takes time to manifest. Maybe it's the metagene of the zombie world, or that's, something. That's and that's entirely possible.
1: Maybe they're trying to rip off Marvel zombies in such a manner that they can't sue.
2: Yes. Maybe they are. They had a bunch of good ideas, or a bunch of ideas at least. Codename Ghoster. <laughs> Powers quantum teleportation, not just teleportation, quantum teleportation. And his other power is speed, not super speed, <laughs> speed.
1: No, 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 that's not his power. That's what he keeps in the pouches. No, on I, I think belt. so.
2: Codename transom powers quantum teleportation. And, and again, there's a couple of guys who like, they both just have the same powers. They just, I, I think Tr- they, they just thought both ignition and same- explodey man. Transom? Transom. I was going to say is
0: a
1: both man and a woman. Transom? Yep. Okay, I I have to go on record here. Okay. Uh oh. That, that, and I say this as the creator of a character called Dewey Decibel. That is the worst <laughs> superhero name ever. That is worse than Bouncing Boy. Mimic. That block. No, it's worse than mimic. You know what? It's worse than. I'll tell you. It's worse than maggot. <laughs> Transom. Transom. I just hear Bugs Bunny in that Hansel and Gretel cartoon. Transom. <laughs> yeah, that is a horrible. Isn't a transom the little bridge? Yeah, that The, the, the person is not a from? central
0: character, though, right? It's just in passing. We need no, to create a. No, coo- we need to create a character. Like... Quick, call Stan Lee. Ah, why superheroes? Transom is what
2: your name? Well, no, Stan Lee. Transom, like, I if Stan know Lee them. had created him, he would be like the lagomorph or something like that. The lagomorph. A
1: lagomorph?
0: a lagomorph.
1: Rabbits are lagomorphs. <laughs> They're not rodents. Ah. That's deep, ogre. Yeah, I know. Can I just? Can we just give this thing no no meatloaf and get on with it? I'm gonna it? give I'm it.
2: I'm gonna give it one slice of meatloaf on account that I gave uh, Shadow Shadowhunter one slice of you meatloaf on account Hunter? of existing. Really? Yep.
1: Wow. Okay. I don't
2: think I've ever given a zero meatloaf review. All right. All right. So there you go. The reviews. Comics out this reviews. week. Make sure you hit up the major spoilers
0: website as we have reviews coming out the left and rights of us.
2: Which is gross. Wait. Yes, it is.
1: Indeed. Which but now that the reviews are done, ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, you know what that means. We're way over the edge this time. It's time. We jump the shark.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, you guys did that 15 issues ago. Time Dead for dog in alley behind <laughs> podcast today. Tire track across burst stomach. Steven interrupts 17 times before podcast is over. 18. Possible homosexual must remember to investigate.
0: <laughs> uh, talking this about the week, in the we're alley, returning
1: to a previous theme, which I think is something that we do quite well. It's part three of our ongoing Who Watches the Watchmen watching the Watchmen Chuck Wood? No, <laughs> Ed Wood. Either way. There's pantyhose involved somehow. Indeed. Previously, we'd gone over... Uh, a battle between Dr. Manhattan and Captain Adam, his uh, seeming thingy-me-bob. We're going to step back into that realm and look at the characters from Watchmen as opposed to those characters who may have inspired them from Charlton Comics. This week, Edward Blake, the comedian, meets his original analog, theoretically. The Peacemaker... (laughs) <laughs> whose name is great because you can misread it as pacemaker. That's what I <laughs> kept typing. <laughs> the peacemaker from Charlton Comics, Christopher Smith, the man who loved peace so much he was willing to fight for it. To kill for it. That's right. We're going to stick him in a room. We're going to let him fight it out. Man. Now, they both have ridiculous, ridiculous, redonkulous costumes. I mean, Really, even by bystanders, standards, there's something wrong with like both of these. You don't like that
0: Peacemaker costume?
1: The Peacemaker costume. Man, that okay. thing's
0: like a, imagine a 1956 RKO microphone suspended between the springs <laughs> hanging there on the mic stand, and that is the Peacemaker helmet.
1: You know what it looks like? It looks like the man has a toilet seat <laughs>
0: on his head. Yes, that too.
1: Now, uh, that headgear does, in fact, inform my answer. But this week, I want to go last because I've gone first, like, the last three weeks. And every time I start with, well, I am old school because. well, So I want Rodrigo to start this Okay, week. Rodrigo, go ahead.
2: Um, not familiar with the Peacemaker. Going to go with the Comedian. Next. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta, said that for the last six weeks, I got to go yep.
0: old school. I got to go old school on this one, but I took it from not the old, old school, but the old school remake of the Peacemaker. Because if you read him in Blue Beetle, if you read him in Blue Beetle, where he's riding around on the motorcycle and has the tribal tats all over him and he's kicking ass and taking names. I like that Peacemaker. So if he's anything like the original Peacemaker. He's not. He's not. But that character is good. I, I, I went with the Peacemaker.
1: Now, the headgear informs my answer this week. I want to explain something very important about the toilet seat that Peacemaker wears on his head. Looks like part Ant-Man. Well, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Peacemaker's costume, I want you to go to Majorspoilers.com and take a quick moment and look at it. Peacemaker's costume consists of a short-sleeved brown shirt that he apparently stole off the bag boy at Sperry's. (laughs) White. Slacks after Labor Day, not even just that, white that, slacks that literally come up to like the middle of his chest, as though he's you know waiting for the furs to open so he can get the cafeteria meal at four forty-five. And they're they're really he, uncomfortably tight. It looks like they they are ridiculously tight. He has you know his aforementioned helmet. He has a little jetpacky thing, and he has boots and gloves and bloody blue. And it's it's all very nineteen sixty-seven. Hey, who drew me? I think it's Pat Boyette. It doesn't matter. It's a Charlton comic. There's no signature. But one of the one of the tenets of Peacemaker is that his costume is bristling with hidden weapons. Yes.
0: Everywhere. One of the
1: hidden weapons that Peacemaker has is four pounds of plastic explosive. Yes. In his helmet. Yes. The <laughs> man wears. Enough plastic explosive to take down the Sands Hotel in Vegas on his head. Guy has now, no I want fear. Understand, I want you to understand. Uh, I'm, 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 the, I'm the kind of person who doesn't have a problem eating a 450,000 calorie Burger King breakfast sandwich. Okay. I actually once, now forgive me, my heart I stopped once in the middle of eating one of those when they started in it, radio I it. <laughs> in central kansas okay so it's 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 proven that i'm an idiot yes I I, I I have enough comic books to you know literally kill someone if i threw a long box off the empire state building i could take out 50 or 60 people and even i cannot look at peacemaker's helmet filled with plastic explosive and think anything other than please somebody shoot that thing <laughs> so for one of the first times on record I'm actually not going old school. I voted Edward Blake the comedian based on the fact that peacemaker's helmet is filled with explosives <laughs> and he's carrying a
2: gun. And and really if you think about it seeing as how good a, of a shot the uh, the comedian is from, you know, 600 yards away. Yeah. Bang. Yep,
0: boom. Uh, apparently bang. everyone agrees with Matthew and Rodrigo this week. Uh 208 votes. Cast – or I'm sorry, 308 votes cast, 78% for the comedian.
1: Which is almost half. Yes.
0: And – 22% for the Peacemaker.
1: 22% for the Peacemaker. Taking into account a a plus or minus a 3% margin of error, I think we can all agree that Peacemaker is out of his effing mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's why
2: the guys that are out of the mind are the ones you got to watch out for. Again – as far as Watchmen's concerned, I've always, you know, people are like, oh, you know, all these guys are based on the Charleston comics guys. I always thought, you know, it, it was probably a good thing that they told those guys to be like, hey, ma- make new characters. Just don't don't use these characters. Because I think it, it freed them up to make new cool characters yes. that were just kind of based off of guys. Could you imagine and it gave them an opportunity to clear crap out like the giant plastique helmet.
0: Could you imagine if the watchman had who killed Peacemaker
2: and be like 50 people going, I shot him in the head. Yep. What did you expect? It's like, well, apparently he was thrown off a building, but we can't tell because there's just a giant blast crater at the bottom of this building.
1: <laughs> we think there's a toilet seat in it. You know?
2: It's like, actually, a toilet seat landed on someone in China. That's how we figured it out.
1: It killed a young girl named Georgia, I believe.
2: (laughs) It killed Kitty Genovese.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So so terrible. You're so terrible. And the question, walking through the streets, would be awesome.
0: My God, that was terrible, Rodrigo. I'm sorry. All right, let's go on to something maybe terrible, maybe not so terrible. Our big discussion this week. Uh, a movie hey, that, it- I gotta tell you, I busted my ass this last week trying to track down this frickin' movie. Mm. Dodge City, I tried to find it. Here in Hayes tried to find it. Subscribed to Netflix, can't even get it except for DVD. They didn't even have it in, on, on demand. Amazon Unbox doesn't have it.
5: Mm.
0: I did procure it, though, through different means. Mm. But the movie I'm talking about is The Dark Crystal. From 1982, Jim Henson's Muppet Puppet-filled fantasy. That he did Muppet with puppet. Frank Oz. Muppet Puppet. Muppet Puppet. Muppet is uh, a combination of marionette and puppet, mm-hmm. for those that didn't know. I'm why sure didn't they call them parionettes? Because that's just silly. Because that sounds stupid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's why.
0: <laughs> I think Jim actually had that going for a while, and the people just said, you know, that's really an idiotic. How about Muppet? Oh, brilliant! Bravo! Bravo, Mr. Henson. <laughs> How about murder, So, what's interesting about The Dark Crystal... Is that, and from my recollection, recollections, and to be honest with you, I, d- I had not watched The Dark Crystal in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I saw it when it first mm-hmm. came out in the theater. I think I saw it once or twice on video, because my sister wanted to see it, because she was finally old enough, and I didn't watch it again until midnight last night, okay? So there's 20 years that have passed from fond memory to today. You know, from what I remember with Dark Crystal, we had the Muppet movie that was out, okay? That was highly successful. Uh-huh. The Muppet Show is out, highly successful. Uh-huh. The Henson Company starts experimenting with different things. They've got Labyrinth. They've got some other movies coming out at the time. But this time, what if we did a whole movie with puppets? But it was not a comedy. What if we did something that's dark that tells an epic tale that we can't tell with uh, conventional means? It would just be this time CGI doesn't exist. Uh-huh. It would look silly if it were a hand-drawn animation. Let's try our best with with puppets. Mm-hmm. And it's a dark, dark movie. I mean, this is something that I was watching it last night. If your kids are under seven and anything remotely scares them, these Skeksis will scare the crap out of a little kid. Yes. My main concern with The Dark Crystal, again, looking at it from 20 years ago, the question was, is this movie going to still hold up? Mm Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a movie that I can watch and not just laugh my ass off about how silly it is?
1: Does that imply that 20 years ago you were able to watch it without laughing?
0: You know, I, I was young enough, and again, this is this this thing that we go through over time that, you know, we sit down and we watch uh, freaking Pokemon as a little kid. Not me, of course, because I was already well into my 30s by the time Pokemon came around. Sure. But Pokemon comes around as a little kid, and you're like, oh, this is the most awesome thing in the world. Yeah, I want one of these. Yeah, Mom, give me 10. Wah. Right? <laughs> and then five years later.
1: What? <laughs>
2: nothing. Uh, apparently Speed Racer was a big fan of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, this is the greatest thing in the world, isn't it? All right, Mom, I won 10. I won 15. I won 20. I won 20. I want all of them. Yeah, i Need for Speed. Pikachu, I choose you. Yeah! But then apparently Speed
0: Racer comes to his senses five years later and goes, what the hell was I thinking? Pokemon sucks. Oh, man. This
2: I'm going to move to Alaska.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. You've lost me. I'm like, what?
2: <laughs> nothing. It's nothing. When I was little, I was really into Thundercats. Yes. And I have since come to realize that although Thundercats is cool, and, and th- th- there's a lot of really cool ideas in Thundercats. If you go back and watch the series, it's horrendously campy. They just throw out all these horrible puns. It's right. kind of a big ripoff of Star Wars. It's just like if you watch uh, uh, G Force sure. or Battle for the Planets today, it's like, right. what the
0: hell was I thinking? Like, you it, it's shut. No, your seriously, mind if you watch it today, out. you cannot sit there and go, you cannot. You know, when I was eight, I'm bouncing off the sofa, going,
3: "Oh yeah, G Force and kicks ass. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Little
0: duck uniforms,
3: <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, pretty princess, I, I want to marry you when I grow up." And today, you're like. What the hell was I... What drugs were I on? It was sugar, obviously.
1: Why didn't I realize the villain was a transsexual?
0: (laughs) Exactly. You don't think about these things. So that was my big concern when going into The Dark Crystal after not seeing it for 20 years.
1: I have only two things to say to you.
0: One, 20 years ago
1: you were 18, we were in college, and I knew you. What you mean is 29 years ago. 29 years ago. Almost 30 years ago. Two... Again, we haven't really touched on the fact of whether the movie was any good 29 years ago. Well, so we're going to get to that. And, and see. C- <laughs> One, what, two, and three. What? Okay. What were you talking? I, I, I'm still on the point where You're like, oh my god!
2: I give me time Have me you me not,
0: me
3: not really watched? Ah, you. You,
0: yeah. Have you not watched Japanese? Yeah, playing,
3: I you. Have
0: you not watched Japanese animation that was Japanese no, originally and then they translated to the it? Into <laughs> tried
1: crack today, which seems to make me a little bit in the minority here on the podcast. Yeah. So I'm just
0: gonna, I'm gonna
1: step back and maybe have a panel I'm
0: gonna, we're we're gonna have Scott Johnson on the show in about two weeks or so,
1: and he can explain that to you. I okay. went to school with a Scott Johnson back in the eighties. No, this would be the. Difference. I'm guessing Scott that's Johnson.
2: not too hard. There's got to yeah. be at least <laughs> ten thousand Scott Johnsons out there. This is
0: the one that runs that website, uh, Extra Life at myextralife.com. But he'll, I he'll suppose, explain you're going to tell
1: me that Tom Henson was also common.
0: Uh, I don't know what Jim Henson's family <laughs> and other families' names are, but I did get to meet the Henson family after Jim Henson passed away. Mm-hmm. I was working in Disney World, and uh, that's when the Muppet. Review was starting up, and there was really big Muppet stuff with Disney. So mm-hmm. I got to meet some of those people. That was kind of cool.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: Uh, so back to the Dark Crystal. Right. All it right. is a story about a time long ago or a planet far away, where everything was good with the world until the Great Crystal cracked. Right. And after the Great Crystal cracked, we got to see the emergence of the Skeksis and, <sighs> and the Mystics. And the Mystics. Whoa. Whoa. And apparently the Skeksis <laughs> had heard this prophecy that uh, their doom would come from the Gelflings. So they went out and they killed the Gelflings, massacred them, all except for two.
2: Because they got away.
0: Yes, well, they were protected, one by the little uh, pod people. Right. And the other pod one by people. the mages. Right. Well, on the day of the death of the one of the mages, mm-hmm. he pulls the little Gelfling and says... You must seek out the shard of the crystal and restore order to the universe. I'm dead now. <sighs> and he goes on a journey, finds the crystal, meets the, the girl, Gelfling, saves the universe. Hello,
1: I'm a girl, Gelfling, and this is how I talk.
0: Everything is right with the world in the end of the movie. All right? right. You know, as a kid, I remember this being such a huge, epic movie. It's like this great journey. But, you know, it's like they walk like five blocks. <laughs> 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 if you think about it. You know, he goes from the mage's place to uh, the, the Frank Oz character, the crazy witch woman that pulls Ogre. her eyeball out,
2: Ogre. gets the
0: crystal. Next thing he's at, the dark castle, restores order to the universe, the end. He's walked like 50 feet.
1: Yeah, but there's those great moments, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about this is
0: that Frank, uh, Jim Henson and company actually went through the trouble of creating a whole universe for these characters to live in mm-hmm. the flora of the yes. fauna the bugs the creatures everything that that goes on in this world and yep. to me that's still amazing 29 years later yeah. that i look at this Especially and go wow they really there are, thought there into are that. no
2: people in it there no. are no real animals in it no everything's everything's everything has been created
1: yeah it's one of those movies where i admire the 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 theoretical craft of it, more than I admire the movie itself, because what they had to put into just the set design and the creation of the characters and the sheer work involved in just having three characters walking down the street five blocks. Right. You know, is just amazing. And granted, I did see it on VHS. So there may have been, you know, some loss of signal over the last 30 years. But tracking it. Tracking, tracking. It's still, I mean, it holds up in as much as it ever did hold up. And I'll get to that, you know, soon enough when I start whining. But it's one of those things where you look at it and you're just like, wow, look at all the effort that went into this. I'm exhausted just watching the credits.
0: Well, it's, I mean, just think about everybody had one or two puppeters, one or two people in some of these costumes. I mean, the ogre, Frank Oz is in that costume working Mm -hmm. this puppet. Um, and Frank Oz is a big man, by the way. No, not back then. He was skinny. He was really skinny guy. He's tall though. But he's yeah. tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to really crouch down. I mean, look what he had to do well, to get into those, that Yoda in the, costume.
2: And in the, in the scenes with Ogre, they had like the the bottom was out. Right, right. The, the really the really horrible things were the Skeksis and the Mystics. Yeah, because those were like three hundred pound costumes. Yeah, the uh, the puppeteers. Yeah, the puppeteers had to basically uh, squat. The whole time. Yeah. And they had people, like, passing out and stuff like that. They had to, like, actually, like, hang them up from the rafters Mm -hmm. when they were done. They couldn't get them out of the costumes because that would take eight hours. So they would just, like, hang them up from the ceiling. (laughs) See you guys tomorrow. (laughs) It's like they'll hook them up to, like, an IV or something so they don't die.
0: (laughs) Well, even the beetles, those those scarabs that are chasing everyone around. To me, that's still impressive because of the way they're hiding the feet. Mm-hmm. of the people as they're running in the, the arms and the, and the claws that wrap around. Yeah, like the skittering. Yeah, the, technically, technically, for what went into it, the puppeteering masterpiece. Okay, I think it was really good. I think that still holds up today. Like I said, I saw the Skeksis, and I'm like, those things still creep me out like they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, God. <laughs> uh,
2: Salieri. Uh, took the time oh no 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 we made it through the pull of the week without that why
0: salieri long tour long time fan of the major spoiler site Uh, took the time this is a movie that he absolutely loves Uh let's take a listen to his comments it's a little long he's going through some things but he's talking about symbolism and meaning and some other things let's take a listen to that and then kind of springboard off of his his conversation or his his uh, comments
4: I first watched The Dark Crystal when I was nine and uh, sick in bed. It had been given to me as a birthday present and I just—I didn't have much time to watch films at that age so I just waited till I was ill and I hadn't known what to expect from the cover which was a bit ambiguous and then I turned it on and immediately you're given this narrator just pulling you into the story in the time there was a land, there were great beings that were split into, etc., etc., etc. And for a nine-year-old kid, especially one like me who hadn't been um, who didn't have many friends and had been retreating into strange worlds, creating his own strange worlds for quite a long time, it was awe-inspiring. I felt like I felt like Jim Henson was like a kid of my age who had just strolled into some sort of um, Hollywood studio the way that Kermit and his gang strolled into a studio at the end of the first Muppet movie to be greeted by Orson Welles, and had just said, here are all my ideas. Let's make a film out of it. It, was, it has a huge sort of daring vision. A daring originality that isn't very many, very much seen in mainstream media these days because what is the primary focus of mainstream media these days is the making of money like almost all other businesses the money is it, the money counts so well you're not given much room to be creative when you have to, to appeal to the lowest common denominator you end up making you end up making something which isn't very original or isn't very moving or interesting, but you make a huge wall of cash out of it because the amount of people who don't like things to be moving or interesting have enjoyed watching it. And Henson wasn't doing that. Jim was, with hundreds of people behind him, he was crafting an entirely new world, one which doesn't look as... It doesn't look, in certain scenes as if it was filmed on Earth. It's like it's like they actually did just cross some sort of dimensional barrier and create a completely new world, which I think is, it's out of its world. <laughs> and at the same time, you also see reflections and sort of criticisms of the tenets of that uh, storytelling. For instance, there's the, the, moral, um, the morals of the two main species who control the, the land of Dark Crystal, the Mystics and the Skeksis, who were both once one sort of creature and then were split into two. And you see how, rather than using the clear-cut definition of good and evil that has been used for hundreds of films before and since the Dark Crystal, you see that the Mystics, uh, they're essentially good, but they're not—they're not specifically good. They don't—they just don't harm anyone. But they, they don't take action to hurt anyone. But at the same time, they don't take much action to do anything else. They just keep themselves to themselves. Even the most wise of them admits that he should have acted sooner to inform Jen the Gelfling of his destiny, but he just waited until he was at his deathbed for some reason. And then you see that reflected because the entire, the entire backstory is this yin-yang relationship between the mystics and the Skeksis. And the Skeksis are the same. They aren't specifically evil. They're just obeying their inner instincts. They, their inner, um, emotions. And they're not really in control of what they do. When we first get properly introduced to most of the Skeksis characters, you see that they're just very very much like animals like vultures (laughs) immediately once the alpha male emperor is dead they're fighting over his scepter and they're literally just coming together at each other just going "Ah, ah," roaring and posturing and then showing off their prowess and hitting a stone with a sword so that you aren't made to completely judge them you're meant you're made to sort of pity them and feel slightly revolted, but at the same time to not utterly condemn them the way that you're meant to utterly condemn villains in standard sort of kids' films such as, say, Jafar and Aladdin or or all the dozens of other stock villains who don't have any backstory but just wandered onto the set just rubbing their fingers together and going, "Hee hee hee, I'm so evil. This, and then you get that climatic scene after a whole movie's build up of the relationship between these two things. You get that climatic build up where the crystals are finally put together, and the Skeksis and Mystics sort of run together into a figure that is like the Christian, Jude, Christianic, sorry, Christian or Judeo sort of God, where it's the perfect balance. It's a creature that doesn't look as if it's acting, and yet you can't prove that it's not acting. And then you also have to carry on that metaphor. You have Jen and Kira, who are the last of their race, but who have to repopulate their race, and who don't have any. They don't have any sort of moral code for what's good and what's bad. They just want to survive. They just want to be together. So that the very last sort of denouement of the Dark Crystal is like a reversal of the book of Genesis where the two the couple were created separately and they come together. God himself doesn't appear until the very end and the paradise sort of, the sort of Garden of Eden setting only appears at the very end. And carrying on with that sort of moral ambiguity, you get Frank Oz's character, the witch, who is sort of a marriage between Yoda and Miss Piggy, both of whom Frank Oz's voice before and she she's a very much a mysterious character isn't she because she seems to have knowledge of hundreds of different planets all over and she has hundreds of little models of crystals just lying around her study and you sort of want to ask wait wait where, where has this girl been that she's able to create all of these planets why is she just sitting in this lonely desert planet where nothing happens wait, waiting for some sort of guilt name when she could be out having her own adventures which it's that's that's one of the big big things that Henson and the best creators all understand it's not about what you show it's about what you don't show and because there's all this mystery, the audience feels as if they're being included into the included into the same circle that the writer and director are because they're allowed to make up what their own ideas are for each character and for each aspect of the Dark Crystal they're allowed to decide um, how these things came to be and how they will be from now on and not many creators understand this these days well anyway to sum up my point the Dark Crystal is one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen and I think it's a real disappointment that Jim Henson didn't get to see how it survived into the modern age how it got this huge cult following because I think he really would have loved seeing that people seeing that people still enjoyed and admired his work years almost decades after it had finished and how people are continuing to create things of a similar scope of a similarly epic scope and hmm. God willing, perhaps someday I'll be able to do something similar. Anyway, enough about me. Um, Glad to have contributed. Hope that you guys aren't too freaked by my abnormal accent. And um, I will enjoy the podcast. Bye.
0: All right. He goes into a lot of stuff, obviously. Heartfelt, absolutely. And I do like, because, you know, it's funny, he mentions Adam and Eve.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the Gelflings are essentially the new Adam and Eve in this new garden at the end of the at the the end of the movie. And I actually thought that when I was watching the movie last night. I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? Here are these two Gelflings that are going to have to start their entire race. They are Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a theme that still kind of rings true throughout the piece. Um, the merging of the two entities, which, you know, in the beginning of the movie, it says the crystal cracked... And soon after appeared the Skeksis and the, and the mages. Right. They don't imply that they
2: were. Well, I think that's so that they, it's so that there's a uh, a twist at the end. Right. Right. You might going through well, the movie, you do not necessarily know. You know that if the crystal is brought back together, then Skeksis rule is going to end. Right. And the Skeksis and we, are trying to stop. That. And
0: we see that the Skeksis ruler dies at the same time as right. the mage ruler dies, and as one of the Skeksis gets his hand cut. The mage gets his hand cut. One right. of them so falls it's a, it's into the it's a pit. gradual Another realization one... rather than yeah, telling there's you at a the symb- you know, It almost seems like there's more of a symbiotic relationship between the two right. rather than you know, a yin-yang rather than um, they're, they're the one greater. and the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So from some of those meta, f- you know, those meta concepts, I still think that the story kind of holds up I think so. from that standpoint. It's... The puppeteering, I think the story hand- holds up really, really well.
1: Well, and it's a very archetypical story. Right. It's you know the the young journeyman and his his you know journey somewhere. Five. Blocks. I was going a place with that and I lost it. No, think about it though. I mean, no, it, in it's a, a classic lot of ways, fantasy
0: adventure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, the archetype, the the journey that he takes here is the same journey that we see Luke Skywalker take in Episode Four. I was trying
0: to apply the hero's journey to this and seeing every stage, you know, every step of the way. You know, when is, you know, when does the ancient come in? When does the quest come in? When does the, you know, all these steps take place? And it does hold up a lot of that in there.
1: Yep, And it has that really, I mean, the moment that even now, just vexes me with its effectiveness. I wanted to look at this and go <laughs> yes, crazy Muppets. Muppets. It's it's Labyrinth is so much better because of David Bowie's package <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's Scooter and Robin on their way to the Muppet Theater <laughs> only they have feet <laughs> You know and the moment where they leap off the cliff and at first you think they're going to die and then right. Kira Kira's wings open up Right, and I'm just like you, oh you man You have I've wings? Seen- yeah. yeah, all girls have wings, which such
2: knew it was coming. It's it's such a great moment because like the the gelflings are kids, right? They're they're little kids. Well, are I mean, they little kids? No, they're I, they're, I've they're seen old enough, teenagers. But they that's true, right? But they they're sheltered. They haven't experienced other gelflings, right? So it's that moment of like. As a kid, you kind of look at a girl and be like, what are those? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, all girls have those. <laughs> right, right, right. We're right. still talking about wings. Right. But, you know, right. I, I mean, that's, that's, it's that moment. It's like, oh, girls are different. Right.
0: What, what did you guys yeah. think about the, uh, they're holding hands and they're all of a sudden flashing through each other's memories of the, the dark time when mm-hmm. the Gelflings were wiped out? Did that work for you or not? To me, that mm. seemed just a
2: little weird. It
0: was, I don't know. It, it seemed very, uh, I put it this way. It's a very 1980s yeah. way of doing things. It's
2: a little more exposition, is, you know what right. it feels like to right. me. Right, 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 right.
1: Well, and it also felt a little bit. Uh, the phrase that I use, and I know it's a very nondescript phrase, is is uh, I, I like to refer to things as being crunchy granola. Yeah, in that everything is you know very very, Oh, and this is all—it's all naturally dis- devised from the ley lines and the the earth, and everyone is using their powers for good, and and it just—it just makes you want to—you want to go in and kill them all with sticks. Um, it it <laughs> bothered Stewie me. It bothered Griffin me on that level tonally. Roma. Tonally, it worked. I think within the within the framework of the film, it works. But for me, as um, I th- I think as somebody who's you know, a million years old. I looked at it and went, Well, that was certainly a clever way to give us all of the exposition. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's really all it was. It was a clever way to get the exposition out of the way, but it didn't really do much in terms of story. Mm-hmm. But then you have to look at it from, Well, now they're bonded on an emotional level, and, sure. and whoa. And you know that they love each like other and they're going to end up together forever. It's gonna be awesome. They're, gonna they're, be they're like all gonna—they're gonna, be, they're gonna, they're gonna, gonna get have blackberries like and they're gonna little, mock each other on
2: Facebook. It's gonna be like gonna have
0: little
1: gelflings
2: and little gelflings are gonna play with the pod people. It'll be great. Life it's gonna. Called, why are we talking
1: like Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> like
2: so? Like wow. So life's a glitch.
0: Says ugh, horrible movie. Ugh. Nostalgia is making you guys. <laughs> Nostalgia you. by Vite. Yeah. <laughs> It's making you guys, nay, you poor elderly gentlemen, blind. This fantasy Muppet movie is bad. I think he means bad. Bad. I'm sure the guys that made these Muppets have long long and rich history, but this movie does not deserve to be the main topic of your show. Well,
1: he's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that comes up to this question of, does the movie still hold up? Thirty years after its release, well, Rodrigo, it... let's go to Rodrigo first because I know this no. is what prompted no. this. No. no, shut up, you. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> you said this is one of your favorite. This is one, this it, is it a great is, movie. yours, one of your favorite movies.
2: Well, first off, you have to consider that possibly my top movie of all times is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Right. So you which, have to you have which to consider... throws everything into question to begin sure, with. Sure, but to me, I mean, I love the Dark Crystal. There's it's it's very straight up. It's this movie. They've created an entire world. Th- this world exists out of somebody's mind. It's almost not tainted at all by anything else. Right. It's just like this weird chunk of Jim Henson's brain that you get to you know walk five blocks in, <laughs> um, and and I and I think that's fantastic. The um, I love that. I watched The Dark Crystal when I was a kid, and then probably didn't watch it until I, again until I was like nineteen. Okay. Um. And the part that I always remember was that part with the wings. I mean, that's that's it's an iconic movie moment. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's there's a reveal like that in. uh, I mean, there's there are reveals like that in other movies. Leia (laughs) is my sister. Exactly. It it is. It's exactly that kind of thing. I think it's not epic. There aren't three thousand pod goblins (sighs) led by a gelfling fighting three thousand crab people led by, (laughs) but. It's 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 epic in the same way that legend is epic in mm-hmm. that five people overthrow the devil, right? Kind of thing, right? Um, or Willow, um, right? And, and it's it's very um, iconic of that kind of storytelling, of that kind of r- relatively small, quiet epic in which five people win against evil. Okay, all right. Quiet epic. Yep. So Matthew, does it still hold
1: up? Is it a good it movie? Holds up- it holds up in as much as it ever did. I mean, I would never have looked at Dark Crystal and said, yes, this is a mastery of modern movie making, and I think it should be enshrined in everyone's brain. But, bad Harry Carey impersonations aside, it's a good movie. It has its moments. It's kind of evocative of that whole fantasy trend that came after Star Wars kind of ran its course in the early 80s. So it has elements of you know, other things and it, it's reminiscent, you know, to me, some of the things that I thought I remembered in this movie were actually part of Willow or, or Labyrinth yeah, or yeah. a legend. <laughs> yeah. And that to seeing me it again, my wife wants you to know that legend F and rocks, yeah. by the way. We should cover legend next well, week. Well, somebody mentioned that, that we need to do that. Well, we really don't <laughs> because at least the Dark Crystal had a Marvel Comics adaptation in two thousand and nineteen fifty-two, and and you could actually go and buy a Dark Crystal comic at Gatekeeper Hobbies, Hunt and Engage, Topeka. It's under miscellaneous D. Hmm. Ask me where that is, but you don't want to know. More importantly, it, it holds up as well as it ever did. There's it's not something that you look at it and you go, "Wow, this this is like Scooter and Robin." It's really not. It's a whole new level of of puppeteering. It's a whole new level of filmmaking, and what it is, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Structurally, it's very good. Right. It's more fascinating to me from the perspective of, dear God, how terrible. Must this have been to put together? But how great must it have felt to see it in the theater? You know, six years of your life when you're stuck in a costume tied to the ceiling, drooling, slack jawed inbred, gritty-eating moron, you've lost 54 IQ points from heat stroke. But when it's done, that must have felt awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, Big Honkin wrote and said, I love all things Jim Henson, and the Dark Crystal is a great example of just how much of an imagination Henson had. The fight between the bad guys – Uh, after their leader dies, is one of the only places where things look Muppet Muppetry, Muppety. Uh, And the movie is... Muppetesque. Muppetesque. (laughs) And the movie is as weird as it it is good. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Um, So so you're hearing what we're saying about this. Uh, Uh, That teaches me to read ahead.
2: Now, have you... There's apparently a sequel in the works, and there's been a sequel in the works for like five years or something ridiculous like that. Well, let me...
0: My problem with the movie is more on a technical standpoint Uh in that it is a very 1980s movie. The first shot where they're talking about the history of this land and you see the dark castle in the background. Oh, yeah. Terrible matte effect. You can see it right along the edge. The clouds that are supposed to be spilling out. I mean, they had better cloud effects in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And it's the same effect where you're just pouring, you know, uh, Drano into a tank of water water, and, and filming it. And it, I just look at it and it's like, oh my God, these effects are are terrible. And then you know, there's these problems—the problems where you try to get a young person to run in the costume, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, running up the steps and everything. It's like obviously it's a kid. The Skeksis, the Mages, a lot of the ancillary characters work really well until you get to the Gelflings, where their faces hardly even move when they're talking. Yeah, and that was really bothersome. Does it hold up twenty years later? I like the story. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's a very 80s movie that, if you watch it in the vein of, this was made in 1980. Two. Two. You could and probably enjoy it. Right. Um, as far as the, the sequels go, I heard that they were not making a sequel, but a remake of um, the movie. And so that does bring up the question is, if you were going to make the, remi- uh, the The Dark Crystal today, or a sequel of The Dark
2: Crystal, would you rather have it done with puppets, or would you have it all cgi i think it's a great opportunity to do it all with puppets i mean part of the marketing would have to be this is going to be mostly puppets okay you know a big a big return to animatronics there's there's a there's a a sector somewhere and i know a couple of these guys who are like man yeah cg is great whatever i want to see more puppets you know what i personally want to see more puppets i really do i love puppets i love the muppets I love that kind of thing. That, that th- there's something about the Muppets that is awesome in that everybody treats them like they're actual people when they're right. around. Hey, just look at Elmo. Just dragging getting dragged into that world kind of forcefully by a bunch of puppets is an experience that you kind of don't get because when everything is CG, it's so it's sometimes it's almost so good mm-hmm. that you don't get that mild disconnect, that mild discomfort that makes the puppets appealing. Right. Matthew
1: there, there's going to be a problem if they do a remake of this movie. You're either going to go in as an absolute purist right. and go, oh, well, we must do it with puppets, or you're just going to go in to try and make a buck. I would like to see Dark Crystal continued in CG for exactly the same reason that you mentioned, in that their little sheepy faces don't move. Mm. Right. But, but, but
0: granted, the technology has changed to where today you could create a pretty fantastic
1: puppet. Yeah, but are you going to drop that kind of dime on The Dark Crystal? It was not commercially successful in 82. It's not something that has a huge nostalgia folly now. It seems like it has one, certainly. It It seems like it's
0: split split because, you know, first when I posted that we were going to be talking about The Dark Crystal, the first post is, oh, I can't believe you're talking about this horrible movie. And I'm like, oh, great. We really picked a dud for the show. But then. Uh, Welcome to Major Spoilers. Hello. Uh,. Then you've got people saying, I love this. And so we really see that there's a divide. And there's a reason why people say that this has a cult following. Oh, yeah. There's a g- small group of people who absolutely yeah.
2: worship this movie as one of the greatest technical masterpieces ever done. The Dark Crystal is not a movie for everyone. Just like, you know, Rocky Horror isn't a movie for everyone. Just like, you know, anything on my list or actually just like you, just like head the is, not, is a not a movie yeah just yep. like karate kid is a... exactly it's not well karate kid might be more of a movie for everyone right because it was such a smash hit right. back in the right. day right right, right right um but you know that that doesn't obviously that doesn't mean what it's bad what i always think is funny is that every, every once in a while i'll bring up the dark crystal when i'm talking to friends right and there'll be at least one person who's like ugh. Uh, Labyrinth is so much better. I'm like, right. why do you, why, why do these two always get compared? I mean, I know that they're similar, but there's always there's that tension between like the Labyrinth kids snapping their fingers and across the room is the Dark Crystal kids snapping yeah, yeah, yeah. their fingers. Da-dun, and da-dun, off over there is like the da-dun, One da-dun, Legend da-dun, kid da-dun, who's da-dun, like da-dun, da-dun, we're going to rumble, but not without 7
1: years of jazz tap. Da-dun, da-dun, yeah. Well, well mine's da-dun. sexier. Yeah. That kind of has a got problem. Jennifer Connelly. Which one has Jen- Oh yeah, the Legend or Labyrinth? Uh, yeah. Something that I never hear mentioned, and this struck me the whole time I was watching another movie, I think around the year 2000 or so. They made a movie that reminded me so much of Dark Crystal that throughout it I went, man, these people, is this Dark Crystal? Which one are you talking about? Titan AE. You know, I was thinking, I was wondering if you were going to say that
0: it was, because it, it was pretty similar. It no, kind of no, no, is so. like that, but it's like let's set this in space.
1: It, yeah, and they were. It doing was some visually similar. Similar. It had character similarities. Yeah. It had plot similarities.
5: True. The whole
1: thing at the end with you know we're going to rebuild planet Earth. We're going to you know rebuild the crystal that recreates our our thing, and there are bits and pieces throughout it. The Skeksis and and the. Uh, the electronic creatures yep i can't remember their names there the o-max. are <laughs> they reminded me of omax yeah something like that there are contextual clues throughout that make me think that especially the gowl the characters who flew with the wings oh, yeah. and looked mm-hmm. kind of you know vaguely it, yeah, it, there are contextual clues that make me think that there was definitely some influence oh absolutely well in titan ae from this movie I, and I didn't, it's not as though the movie isn't
2: influential no I think it's much more of a movie that's influential to people that are making movies than it is necessarily, I mean, yeah, to, exactly. to that huge audience. If You uh, you guys have seen Monsters Sync, right? Yes. Part, one of the yeah. plot points of Monster Inc. is that they're essentially sitting kids down. The monsters are kidnapping kids and essentially using this machine to drain their screams. Right it that's straight out of the dark crystal, yeah, I mean, obviously that kind of you know draining the youth for their power has been done before, yeah, but they do it in a way that is so similar to the dark crystal, teenagers from outer space nineteen
1: fifty five sure uh I sure do wish I had a hamburger sandwich and some french fried potatoes
0: <laughs> matthew mm-hmm. uh i my son sits down and there's this fantasy film. I forget what it's called. It's a 3D film. It's a movie. It's the only time he'll actually sit for longer than 10 minutes to watch something about this kid that gets shrunk down, gets sent the through. borrowers. No, no, no. Almost like that. It's a 3D thing, but he gets oh. to the, he gets the mini mates. Or they're not called mini mates, but that's what it sounds like when you say their name. But it's this underground little kingdom where he's the size of an ant. The ant bully? No, no, no. I don't yeah, think... I, know, I know exactly you know what you I'm mean.
2: It's, it's, a, it's a CG movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it? all yeah. CG. He and they're like down, little elves with pointy yeah, yeah, ears. With, yeah, with pointy ears. It's got Madonna yeah. doing the
0: voice of this very hot Gelfling elf girl. Right. Thing. Uh, he sits down and watches that. The first time he watched it, I was amazed that he was sitting there paying attention to everything. I'm concerned if I tried to sit him down and see if he had the same reaction right now to the Dark Crystal because it's pretty intense, especially when the when There's the Skeksis scariness. are fighting with one another. So, Matthew, did you let your? I mean, your daughter's probably pretty mature for the all five years that she is.
1: Right. You've, Tomorrow's let her, her you've let her watch the Dark Crystal, right? Or not? No. Molly's not a, a movie sitter down oh, okay. person right. in most cases. But there's I mean, there are bits of it that I think are still too intense for her. She can be she still has a thing about monsters and she can be very, you know, un un made what's the word I'm looking at? Uneasy about violence. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of, you know, adult humanahaminas going on here. There's stuff that, you know, I don't think your average three, four, five-year-old may be up for. Well, and I was talking to our
0: good friend uh, Skrull Brian uh, earlier today, and I mentioned The Dark Crystal. And he's like, oh, I've never seen that movie. And I was like, well, it's probably something you don't even want to subject your son to because I think your son would really freak out. And again, these Skeksis are evil, vicious, I mean, there's creepy. torture, there's murder. Yeah, there's there is.
1: <laughs> there is. Monster. It is an
0: intense movie. It is an almost, you know, how old do you think a kid needs to be before they really kind of sit down and watch this and can understand what's going on without wetting their pants in the
2: middle of the night? And then Seven. It, all right, seven. I don't know. I don't know how old I was when I first saw it. I think I but had, I had I, to have been. Uh, I, I was 12 when I I, I saw must it. have been around that age. I must have been like, six or seven because I, I I don't remember being scared by it there's basically only one movie monster that's ever scared me and I remember being really little and being scared by King Kong and that's it who wouldn't I, be scared by a giant right? I mean a giant you. scary monkey yeah but no, uh, the I, I really like the way that the Skeksis look but I'm a weird kid so that's true.
0: True. True, true. True, true. It's, it's bad. true dat. both dat. You're a weird bro At the up. same
1: time. True, true dat. Hey, if you're In as in, much as any of us can be considered. If you are interested
0: up. in The Dark Crystal, there is a comic book prequel. Uh, Read all about called it! called Legends of the Dark Crystal, an original manga series that was released onto the world in, I think, 2007. Legends like of the Dark Crystal number one. Yeah. The Gartham Wars. Did you guys get that at uh, Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies? I think it's put out by Tokyo Uh, Pop.
1: Tokyo Pop? No. All right. I I wonder if anybody's ever read that. Tokyo Pop distribution is a little wonky in the Midwest, and I can can tell you right now that Dion probably didn't order any. But... (laughs) uh, Okay. Oh, my
0: gosh. Look at the time. That's my transition. Hey! (laughs) How about that? So some final thoughts. Just some really quick yay or nay, good or bad, still holds up
2: 20 years later. Recommend it, don't recommend it. Rodrigo, go. Um, if you, if you sat down to the entirety of Lord of the Rings and didn't think that the action scenes needed to be that long, check out Dark
1: Crystal. It's darker. It's got Muppets. It's all good. (laughs) Okay. Matthew. If you want your three movies worth of walking and walking and walking and walking condensed into something with a guy who has a face like a sheep. (laughs) <laughs> this is the movie for you. It's not bad. I will, I will grant you. It, it, it definitely has its peculiarities. But it's one of those it, it, movies with personality. Even if you don't love it, you can't just sit there and hate it, right? Unlike Hermit, it's got, it's got soul. Unlike Hermit says, I personally don't like
0: Dark Crystal, but I like the puppets. My roommate is absolutely in love with it, though. <laughs>
1: Is he in love with Kira? Because, you know, I'm looking for a woman with a nice big pair of wings. a nice big uh, uh, sheep snout. Yeah. Uh, You know. A sheep snout and wings. (laughs) I think I dated her in college, didn't I? Uh,
0: Dark Crystal, I'm going to say, check it out if you want to see some great technical puppetry. Story-wise, it's a five-block adventure. Of course, in Street Warriors, I think they made that work.
1: (laughs) Uh uh, but, bad Dudes was the same way, but
0: I I would probably say pass. Uh, I mm. mean, there's there's a reason why it's not in my DVD collection, which has every single Disney movie every ever made.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's a reason do why the, it's not. Do you there. have the Black Hole. I do have the Black Hole, and I also have the Black Cauldron. Wow. And now actually, th- the <laughs> Black
2: Cauldron, I would take the Dark Crystal about ten times over the Black Cauldron. Yeah, uh, you might want to rewatch the Black Cauldron again because I have recently. Okay, all right. I, I think it's just a thing. All right. Uh,
1: I think we should cover the
2: black
0: hole in a future uh, episode yeah. podcast. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere, but that's where we are going to <laughs> end it today. <laughs> yeah, let's cover that. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for joining don't, us today. Don't, don't, don't forget, tell everybody about the show. Be sure to visit the website because that's where you're going to find out most of our discussion points. That's where a lot of the conversation takes place before the show, after the show. Uh, from our listeners during the, show, during the
1: show, sometimes across the show, go over to
0: the major spoilers forum that Rodrigo's cleaning up and making so much better for each and every one of you. <laughs> uh, Yay, Rodrigo! We do have that Twitter if you don't want to scroll through pages and pages of uh, Saturn Girl <laughs> histories. You can follow us. No, there's nothing wrong with that. The, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people just may not like all the images. Just follow us over at Twitter, twitter.com slash major spoilers. The headlines pop up, and you can just click and go read the story if you're interested. Of course, we know you're interested in everything that we write about, because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you next time.
3: way to think about a better way if I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall take their comic books away but then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on guess I need to rethink this plan how would I back and board my comics with such huge hands guess I already told ya what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a gang sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 whoa. what a
1: major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.